Please be seated. I know that's not your custom in these parts, but I have the mic and you will roll with how I tumble. Tumble is a good word. My name is uh, Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, down the hall actually, and um, it's been a while since I've been in the sanctuary, the big house as I like to call it, to preach. Um, Usually it's when David takes a few weeks off and is far away from town as he can possibly be when he invites me in. Um, And the last time I was scheduled to preach in here, I I got violently ill. Um, And so before that, I don't know when the last time it has been uh, since I've been in here. It's been so long, in fact, that as I was walking in this morning at 8.30, Mike Wiesen, one of our wonderful uh, ushers, pulled out his phone and took a picture of me um, in my suit. And he said, I need to have this. And uh, I said, Mike. I dress like this every day of the week. It's only on Sundays that I wear jeans and T-shirts. Um, this is normal for me. Uh, this is what I wear at home. Um, but, but it is um, exciting to, uh, to be in here um, and to be walking along with um, all of you through the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, um, as well as the people at Riverside. We in New Heights have actually been doing the, sermon on, the, uh, the book of Matthew since February. We've been walking through it um, slowly, uh, and we, we got to the, the Sermon on the Mount a while ago, and David said, hey, could you pause for a second and jump ahead to chapter 8 so that we all can be together as a body, uh, studying these words together. And um, w- what am I going to say? Uh, no. <laughs> Senior Pastor Manitsky. No. Uh, and I was actually, yeah, that's really a great idea. I would love to be on the same place uh, with everyone. So we, we jumped ahead to chapter 8, and then we came back. Um, for the Sermon on the Mount a few weeks ago. And, and right now um, in New Heights, Daryl Smith, um, our worship leader, is preaching. And uh, Daryl and I were talking this week that David's gone. Um, we thought Donna wasn't going to be here. Ruth Ann's gone. I'm preaching in the sanctuary. Daryl's in uh, New Heights. It's like uh, the inmates have taken over. Um, and we were very excited about that. Uh, but apparently God knew better and sent Donna home. Um, So here she is. The reason I didn't do um, the Shema uh, before is not because I I, I don't like the Shema. I think it's wonderful. Um, But because I think of where where it can lead us if we do it in a certain way. Um, And I think Jesus is is talking to this in Matthew chapter 6, which is where we find ourselves. Verse 5. And now about prayer, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners. And in the synagogues where everyone can see them, I assure you that that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father secretly. Then your father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them because because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our food today and forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And and when you fast, 
don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will suspect you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in secret. And your father who knows all secrets will reward you. I think where Jesus is taking us here is is sure about the practices of prayer and fasting. But I think he's taking us a, a little bit behind the scenes of those practices, if you will. In my house, um, at dinner time, we have a three-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old. And it has fallen upon our three-year-old by his choosing and insistence um, that he does the prayer before the meals. Um, it used to be something that I would do. Um, but now that he can talk and likes to talk and, in fact, just really won't stop talking, um, he insists that he does the prayer. If one of us, Jenna or myself, my wife or myself, tries to say the prayer, he will stop us and say, no, <laughs> it's my prayer. And and so because he is um, my son, you know, generally the prayers go something something like this. Um, Oh, Heavenly Father, you are the creator of all things, the creator of the seed that turned into wheat that became the bread upon our plate. We bless you, dear Lord. Um, he's three, really? I mean, no. It, it's the prayer. We started him out with the prayer that most people start their kids out with. Um, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. I mean, that's not a shock that a three-year-old, could, you know, that's the prayer that he delivers but the other night he was he was doing his prayer for all of us and um, it came out like this: God's great, God's good. Listening for a fitting. And I went, "Whoa, slow down!" And he kind of looked at me. He's like, "I said everything." He didn't say that, but I knew that's what he was thinking. And I, I think G- Jenna even said something like, "Jesus can hear when people talk fast." And I'm like, that, "That's not the point." That's not the point. I mean, he just, does he even know what he's saying? Does he even realize where this food came from? Does he even understand the significance of blessing God for the food that we're about to eat? Does he even understand why we pray to God before the meal? I realize he's a three-year-old and all, but I'm trying to think through these things. We fall into these traps of repetition and and roteness and, and just going through the motions and and this is what Jesus is talking about. In the life of a Jew, there were three pillars uh, um, of practices that were really important that would connect you to God. It was that of giving, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Those three things were paramount in a Jew's life in order to connect with God and to build on that relationship with God. Last week, Dinah talked about the first and this week it's the, the latter two, the prayer and the fasting. And, and these are three very important things in a Jew's life and, and things that they would do on a regular basis. And so Jesus knows this and he sees what's happening in the society and the community and the fact that these three things, while they may be done, aren't necessarily done with any sense of love as motivation, as true love behind it. And so he stops and he says, look, every one of you does the Shema. You do it before 9 a.m. in the morning and you do it before 9 p.m. in the evening. 
You all do it. And some of you get it and you, you understand and you say the Shema with complete conviction that God is one and I want to live my life doing everything for Him. But then other people... See, the practice was you had to say the Shema before 9 p.m. and it didn't matter wherever you were, you had to stop what you were doing. If you're walking along the street and you look at your watch and you're like, oh my gosh, it's 8.59, i got to stop and say the Shema. Shema Israel, Lord, I got Lord of the One. You just go through it. It doesn't mean anything. If it's just something that you throw in at the end of the day. There was another practice of prayer that the Jews would go through, um, and it was called the Eighteens, the is what they called it, um, and Shaddai Ezra. And these 18 prayers that you would go through um, were said three times a day. You would stop three times a day and say these 18 prayers. Some of them were short, some of them were longer. But for those of you that were too busy really to enter into that time of prayer, there was a summary for you, just to sum up the 18. And people had become accustomed to just doing the summary. Let me just get this out of the way really quick so I can go on to what's important in my day. There's also a practice of um, people would go and know the times of day when you would say these 18 prayers, and so they would find the busiest street corner they could find and throw their hands in the air and deliver the 18 prayers loud so that everyone could see how holy they truly were. Now, we're Methodists, and we understand that raising your hands for prayer is a weird thing. Uh, that was a joke, really. I'm just kidding. Do y'all really believe? I'm sure. But when people did this with, with just show in mind, with look at me, there's... It's very different than somebody who has really taken upon the bigness and greatness of God. So Jesus was calling these people out. He's saying, look, I don't care how you do it. In fact, it's probably better that nobody knows you're doing it at all. What's important is the motivation behind it. We just read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, that wonderful wedding chapter. And in it, it says... Basically, if I do all of these wonderful practices in life, if I'm the best person that ever walked the face of the earth, but love is not behind it, then it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It's just a loud gong. In other words, if I don't, if I pray and I don't have a motivation to truly connect with God and grow in my relationship with God, then why, why am I even praying? What's the point? If I say a creed, if I go through the Nicene Creed, if I go through one of the beautiful creeds of the Christian church and just say it from memory, which I'm sure many of you know them, but I don't say it with any conviction of heart to connect with God and listen to the words and understand what I'm saying and believe what I'm saying, then why am I even saying it? I grew up in the Episcopal Church and, and I could go through the entire Episcopal service without ever looking at the Book of Common Prayer. I knew exactly what the priest would say, and when the priest would say it, I could go through the communion liturgy because I had been so often. A lot of times what I would do when I would get to church is I would take the bulletin and I would see how long the service was going to be, how long until we're free. In my church, we had those little uh, signs up on the sides of the sanctuary that would show the hymns for the day. And, and I would look to see those, and I'd go through the, 
the hymnal and mark in my, in my hymnal where the songs would be so that I could be Johnny on the spot as if that would help things move along. I went through the motions, but it didn't necessarily mean anything. And then there's fasting. This, this discipline of fasting. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you actually practice on a regular occurrence fasting? I think it's something, it's, it's a discipline that's lost. Because, I, I don't know, maybe we're too busy. Maybe we're too self-centered. Maybe we don't, as pastors and leaders, teach about it, the importance of it, significance of it enough. To complete honesty, I don't fast very often either. When Lent rolls around, pretty much. But other than that, why is that? It's, it's a discipline that reminds us of the majesty of God and our dependence on God. And, and it gives us this, this sense of moving into something greater than ourself and allowing ourselves to be taken over by something greater than ourselves. And yes, I don't always do it. See, what Jesus is talking about here is this art of fasting because fasting was very important to the life of a Jew. It was done at significant moments in the year. The Day of Atonement being the chief one that you would fast from everything for that Day of Atonement as, as a nation of Israel. And, and what he says here is, when you're fasting, comb your hair, wash your face. And the reason he says this is because the chief fasting days during um, the Jewish year were Mondays and Thursdays. Those happened to coincide with the market days. So during those market days, the entire you know, town and surrounding areas would come into the market. And so would you because you would do your things. And those, of, those people that were fasting who wanted people to know that they were fasting would show up at the marketplace with hair that was disheveled and unkempt and, and clothes that were soiled and torn. And, and some of them would even go far enough to uh, put white stuff on their face to make themselves look paler. And as they walk through the marketplace, I'm sure they're walking up to a vendor going, Wow, that looks great. What are you eating right there? Oh, falafel. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. Oh, no, I can't have one today. I'm fasting. I'm holier than you, essentially. And what Jesus is saying is, man, that's the reward they're going to get. That's great. They want to walk into the marketplace and show everybody how pious they are by going through this fasting thing. And, and they're going to walk in there. Good. And then people are going to look at them and go, wow, that guy is pious. And, and the Greek word that, that Matthew uses here is apeko. And what that is, it's a, a business term that says paid in full. You're done. God says, I'm, we're done here. You made this little fasting thing. You got your reward. Now we can move on. And what Jesus is saying is fasting is much more important than that. It's something that's between you and God. And as he says at the end, the people that really understand this and do this, their reward will be later. I guess what I'm saying is my challenge for, for all of us is as we live a life of faith, I think those three pillars of Jewish faith still pertain to us. Giving. Prayer, fasting, I would include worship in there. Um, but those three pillars of faith, 
in the Jewish life that Jesus is talking about here, I think every one of them, he points out a practice that was going on in the community and something that was wrong about it. But what I think he really wanted to show everyone is what is your motivation behind it? These three practices are, are accesses for you to get to know me better. He said. These are three things of how you can connect to God, how you can grow your relationship with God. So if you're going to do them, do them. If you're going to pray to me, pray to me. If you're going to fast for my sake, then do it. If you're going to give, then give and don't let people know what you're doing. If you're going to want to be with me, then be with me. Be with me because you want to, not because it's something that you did growing up as a child. Not because it's something that the community in which you live expects you to do. In fact, forget all of the other people around you. And just be with me. Every Sunday, I don't get to see you all do the Shema. I don't get to see um, David recite the scripture. I, I hear it oftentimes in my office. And, 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 I, and I sometimes will say it along with you. On very rare occasions will I say it along with you. Um, but there are some moments when I stop and I just listen. And I listen to the words. What amazingly powerful words they are. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, honestly, Jesus gave us two commandments to live by, and these are them. What are the most important two commandments? There, answered, done. Go out into the world and live this way and people will know of my glory and know of my love. And yet sometimes when we say these things, we, get, we say them just to get through them. We, we say them and we just let the words roll off of our tongue without even listening to what we're saying. We say them because everybody else is saying them. How often do we stop and listen and hear and think and believe and feel the words that we're saying? Same thing's true with the Lord's Prayer. A prayer that we learned so many years ago and we've said countless times. And yet, most of the time, we just say it. I mean, up until the series, uh, the the few weeks ago or months ago, whenever David did his um, sermon on the Lord's Prayer, took weeks breaking it down. How many of you ever really thought of uh, our Father, the significance of saying it that way? How many of you ever really wondered what hallowed be your name is? Except that hallowed is just a weird word that people don't use anymore. How many of you ever really took the time? To, I think Dallas Willard writes um, a, a complete paragraph on the word is. Is it Dallas Willard? Or I'm making that up. Somebody who writes a book on the Lord's Prayer. I look to smarter people for things like that. Um, it takes an entire chapter for the word is. Wow. That guy's looking into it. 
So here's our invitation. And I'm just going to throw it out there, and you can stay seated if you want. If you want to stay seated and you don't want to say the Shema today or say the Lord's Prayer today, and, and you don't care if people are looking at you, good. Because I don't want you to stand up and say the Shema with us and say the Lord's Prayer with us because you don't want to feel weird or left out. If you need to sit down and say it, if you need to kneel and say it, heck, we've had this happen in New Heights all the time. If you need to go out into the aisle and lay down while we say the Shema and the Lord's Prayer, let it be. Let it happen. Not because you want to show people how pious you are, but because you want to connect with God in a deeper way. So now's the time. If you're able, if you desire to, please stand. Repeat these words after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. And together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And now, the prayer that our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.